Last week we were talking from John 15, where Jesus says, ask whatever you wish. And I want to read a couple of the prayers of Paul, because it's in this prayer in Colossians and also in Ephesians, you can kind of get what Paul would be doing when he's praying, when he wants to ask for whatever he wishes, to hear what the great apostle was praying. So, in Colossians chapter 1... For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you might live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. What an amazing prayer. And you can read a similar prayer in Ephesians chapter 1 where Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So, it's like Paul has heard Jesus' invitation, ask for whatever you wish. And the thing he asks for, the thing he desires, the thing he most wants for himself and the thing he most wants for other people is that we would know God, that we'd have a revelation of God, that we would know who God is and the will of God. That's the greatest thing we can do to this invitation from Jesus. Ask whatever you want to come to him and say, I want a deeper relationship with you. The Passion Translation talks about this relationship. I want to live entwined with God. I want to live connected to God. I want to live gripped by God. I want to live a life in the love of God. I want to live a life connected to the vine. I want to live a life drawing on God, drawing on his strength, on his vitality, on his capacity, on his power, on who he is. And so Paul says, this is why I'm continually praying for you Colossians. I'm continually asking that God would fill you with the knowledge of God's will first. He says, I want you to know God's will first. That's where all fruitfulness, living worthy, God-glorifying life begins. It starts with God. God, what are you doing on the earth right now? God, what are your plans? What are you working on right now? What are you doing in my life right now? What are you doing in me? What do you want to do through me? What are you doing in my family? What are you doing in my workplace? What are you actively doing right now in the community? It's connecting to what are your dreams, God? We talked about last week. We said, actually, God, what makes your heart beat faster right now? What are you doing on the earth right now? That's where asking for whatever we wish starts from. That's where The most important prayer we can ask is, what, God, are you doing right now? What are you doing today? What are you active in? I want to connect with what you're doing right now. It's a really important starting point. 
Yet God will turn around, as we found out last week, that he's not looking for people who are robots and servants and slaves, because we're sons and daughters. He will ask us, what are our desires? What do we love? What do we dream of? What are the things that we want to see happen in the earth? But Paul says in his prayer, it starts with first get connected to what God's doing. First get get connected to the will of God and the heart of God. And then he says, also I'm asking that you might be filled with the knowledge of him. So that you might live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. You want to know his will, what are you doing, what are you working at, and I want to know him. That's where the heart of joy is, is when our life and our deepest desire is, I want to know God. I want to know how you think. I want to know how you approach things. I want to know what pleases you. (coughs) I want to know what makes you laugh. Psalm 2, it says he laughs at what his enemies are planning and what his enemies are doing. It makes God laugh and chuckle because he's God. (laughs) I want to know your personality. I want to be captivated by you. So when you hear that invitation from Jesus in John 15, ask whatever you wish. Come in and say, God, what are you up to right now? I want to know you. So a life that's worthy, a life that's pleasing, a life that's fruitful, a life that shows God off as excellent, starts with encountering God, knowing God, drawing from God, getting to know God. How many of you know that God has called you to a fruitful, fruitful life? That fruit is part of the deal. A life that's pleasing, that's worthy and fruitful. That's in the believer's package. Psalmist says, do not forget all of his benefits. You know, sometimes, imagine you heard this story once about a guy who had booked a cruise to go from Liverpool to New York City. And he got the ticket and he said to the family... We've got our ticket, but we don't have enough money for food, so we're going to make these biscuits last the whole three weeks. And they were starving and hungry, and eating these biscuits in their cabin. And on the last day, he said, right, because we're almost in New York, we're going to go to the the restaurant tonight, the five-star restaurant. We're going to eat, and you can have whatever you want. We'll use the money we've saved on the trip, we'll splash it on the last day because tomorrow we're arriving in New York. And they go into the, the restaurant and say, where do we pay? And the guy says, what do you mean, where do you pay? All the meals were included in your ticket. <laughs> I hadn't realised the benefit package. It's all, it's already been paid for. You paid for it. Christians, we're called to be fruitful. Jesus, you didn't choose me, I chose you, and I chose you to bear abundant fruit. Sometimes our prayer is, uh, we're so desperately thinking, is a reluctant God who doesn't want us to be fruitful. Now that's all part of the deal, to be fruitful. 
But bearing fruit and living a life that's worthy, a life that's pleasing, a life that's fruitful, doesn't necessarily mean it's easy. And I think it's in your benefit package, but it doesn't necessarily mean it all comes super easy. That the kingdom of God, how many of you know, doesn't come all at once. That Jesus described as being mustard, well not mustard, a mustard seed that's a small seed that grows and becomes a great tree. Or the yeast that grows in a batch of dough. It comes through process and steady steps. This worthy and this pleasing, this fruitful life doesn't all explode on in and through us the moment we come to Christ, but it grows steadily in process. And so Paul is praying that these believers will know his will, they will know him, and that they will be living a worthy, pleasing and fruitful life, showing God offers excellent. See, God loves process and God loves steady steps. How many of you ever have received a prophetic word, a promise from God, and he said it lots and lots of times, so you know he means it. And then everything in all of your circumstances absolutely contradict the thing that he promised. It's not that he's a cruel joke God. It's not that he's held a carrot out to you and said, right, I'm just going to draw you in the carrot, but I'm going to frustrate you. It's that he loves relationship and he loves steady steps. He knows where he's going and he knows what he needs to do to prepare you to get there. And he knows that actually his greatest work is the work of a relational connection with him. But yeah, the, 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 the fruit and the worthy and the pleasing life is vital to him and he wants that. But he's more concerned that we know him, that we know his heart, that we're in a relationship with him. You know, it's one of the things I and Kyla would be doing is love languages. And it might be gift or quality time. God's love language is relationship. He absolutely loves connection and loves relationship. Yeah. He's not just a, um, right, this is, your, this is your fruitful life, now get on with it. Now I want to walk with you through it. I want to do something in you. I want to prepare you through process and steady steps so that I'm doing an, a work in your heart that can actually be able to inherit the things I want you to inherit. And so Paul then says, and so I pray that... Uh, he's, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped giving, not stopped praying for you. We continue to ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. And so we've got this call to this fruitful life which is in our package, is in our benefit, is in the ticket, you are called to show God off as excellent. You are called to make the world jealous of your relationship with him. You're called to be the one where you walk in the room and people want to know who your dad is, who your father is. They want to see, they're going to be amazed at the wisdom that you have and the understanding that you have and the fruit that you're bearing and the life that you are living. That's who we are. To be people who set the temperature wherever we go. To bring the hope of the world. Mm. To be the people who have a confident expectation that good is coming. Mm. That's who we are in the community. But that doesn't all come at once. 
And it may come as a promise that's an acorn, and the oak tree then takes a while to come. And so Paul is saying, I want you to be filled with strength and might, glorious might and power, so that you might have endurance and patience as you're in the process of God bringing about the fruitful life that he's promised. That it would come through steady steps, through his power. And these two words then, there's endure and patience. Tim touched upon it in the worship, that we're walking in this life and it's like we're in a wood. And we're pushing through this wood to get to a clearing that maybe is the fruitful life. And there are these obstacles, these things in the way that require endurance and patience. So the first one of these words then is endure. That you may have great endurance and patience. Endurance then is a work of the Holy Spirit. It's a work of his strength. It's a work of his power. And it's a work of his glorious might. So that you might have great endurance and patience. And so sometimes we think that power, strength and glorious might is just about miracles and raising the dead and praying for the sick and getting a prophetic word. But Paul is saying great endurance and patience is a, is a work of the Holy Spirit. There's Holy Spirit stamina that's available. That's what he's offering here. He's saying get to know God, get to know his will, get to know the heart of God, get filled with the Holy Spirit. A, a, a fruitful, pleasing and worthy life is coming out of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to need to have endurance and stamina and great patience to inherit what God wants to do in your life. That actually it takes endurance to push through the wood, as it were, to get to the clearing and get to the fruitful place, the worthy place and the pleasing place. Endurance is this, it's the ability given by God to continue to last, to bear pain despite Hardship and setback and disappointment. Hurdles. It's the ability to say, I'm getting, I'm getting God-provided stamina because of his strength, because of his power, and because of his glorious might. I'm drawing on another source so that I might endure in a godly way. It's like running a marathon, and as you're going, people are passing you drinks because as you're running the race, as you're doing good works, as you're living the fruitful life, as you're living the worthy life, as you're living the pleasing life, as you're bearing fruit in every area, you're drawing on and you're spending capacity. And in a marathon, they'll pass you a drink and say, you need that because you've spent sugar levels. On, on an endurance thing, you might eat something. In a tennis match, they eat a banana and they're changing ends because they need to endure because there's another... There's another set to play. They've spent something to get to where they've got to. And that's for us is to be aware that as we're running this life and even doing the things that God calls us to do and we're bearing fruit in it, that bearing fruit is actually drawing on our strength. We're not living from the fruit that we're bearing. We're drawing from another source. We're drawing from him, from the vine, so that we might continue to live a fruitful life. And so... We need endurance. We need the stamina to keep going, to face opposition, to face hurdles, and to push through disappointments, to not quit, to not give up, to not become overwhelmed, but to keep knowing. You know, he's promised 
me this. He's promised me that I'm going to bear fruit, abundant fruit in this area, in these areas, in this thing. And the other thing he talks about here is he talks about patience. Patience. Again, a work of the Holy Spirit. If endurance is, I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. God has promised. I'm going to keep pressing on to the goal. Patience is the inner quality. It's something that's going on in the heart. You see, how many of you know that you can endure, but without very good inner qualities? <laughs> how many of you met who you, you maybe work with them? And they endure and they don't quit, but they're a pain to be around. Because there's nothing redemptive about the way they speak or, or the way they they're <clears throat> towards you. They don't have any patience. They don't have any inner emotional stability. And so, yeah, they keep going and, and they keep pressing on to their goals and what they want, but they're irritable. They're frustrated. They have outbursts of anger. Yeah, they're, they're reaching the goal that they've got, but there's casualties absolutely everywhere who have been lashed at by their tongue, who, who have maybe been treated cruelly and undermined. Now, the Holy Spirit wants stamina with patience. It's not enough just to, I'm enduring, I'm enduring, I'm enduring, but I'm irritable, angry, frustrated, outbursts at everybody around me. We mustn't be that. We need the supernatural capacity to willingly not become frustrated when we're confronted with the unplanned place and the unplanned pace. That in his wisdom he takes us to a place that we thought, this is not the place, God. This is not the route. I think we should have gone left two or three miles up the road. And this is certainly not the pace, God, that I had in mind. This is the unplanned place and it's the unplanned pace. And we need to draw on his strength, on his power, on his glorious might, so that not only are we pressing through with stamina to the promises, to the prophetic things that God has said to us individually and as a corporate body, but also we're doing it with that inequality of godly patience. That both corporately and personally, we've got an inner world that guards us from being irritable and frustrated and judgmental. And yet it's still pressing on. And then he says this. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father. See, it's not just, it's not just sticking at it. It's actually enjoying the journey. It's the, I've got endurance, I know what God said to me, I know what God said to us as a family, I know what God said to us as a church, I know who I am, I know what he's called me to, I'm taking his prophetic promises seriously, I've got endurance, Holy Spirit's providing patience, so that I've got this inner stability, but I'm not just going through it, waiting to get there. There's a joyful thanks that the Holy Spirit is also providing, giving joyful Thanks to the Father. And we're going to unpack quickly 
what that means. And we know you can't, at the same time, be irritable, complaining, and frustrated, and give thanks. (laughs) They can be delayed. We can be like a yo-yo of thanks, and, and we can be then irritable and frustrated and complaining, but it's pretty physically impossible for the mouth to be saying frustrated, irritable things and at the same time be giving thanksgiving. Yeah. I heard this quote this week, it's not joy that makes us grateful, it's being grateful that makes us joyful. Lady did a research to understand what, in wholehearted people, people who were going through life in a way where they were being buffeted and impacted by all of the things of life, but somehow were managing to navigate it in a wholehearted, free way. And she discovered that all of them placed a huge emphasis on thanksgiving and gratitude. So Paul is saying here that as we're enduring with patience, we're giving joyful thanks to the Father. And then he says a few things to begin to stir up joyful thanks. And the first one is, who has qualified you? Who has qualified you? In other words, through God so loving the world and sending Jesus... We are qualified. The conditions of relationship have all been met. Who has qualified us? And we'll look at some of the benefits. Psalmist says, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who has a clean hands and a pure heart? Well, how many of us know that we also know we've fallen short of the glory. So the sin qualifications we've had not met. And then Paul is saying, be thankful because Jesus Christ, through his life, through his death and through his resurrection, qualifies you, meets all the conditions of having a clean heart and clean hands and lifts us up to the place of his glory in a free gift so that we're seated with him in heavenly realms. All the conditions are met in Christ. Then he says, qualified for what? I want to know what I've qualified for. You ever been telephoned and they say, you've won a holiday. What's your first question? Where is it? We, we had that phone call. You've won a holiday. You just need to come to a meeting to collect your holiday. You go to the meeting and they say, yeah, you've got the holiday, but we want to try and sell you some timeshares. No, all the conditions are not met at all, are they? (laughs) And you just need to pay the airport tax. I thought I said I'd won a holiday. I thought the conditions were met. No, well, most of them are, but not, not the bit about the tax and the bit about you go to the meeting. Actually, we took them up on the offer of the holiday. We'd never done that before. And he just said, there's just one more condition. When you're on the holiday, you have to go to another meeting where we're going to be talking to you for two hours about timeshare. 
we thought, okay, we go for that condition, and we endured the condition <laughs> to enjoy the holiday. And we took that up on another offer. He said, you've got another free holiday to go to Cornwall for a weekend. Woohoo, we'll go to Cornwall for the weekend. There's just another condition. There's another meeting that where we'll try and sell you timeshare. Don't think I'd go to those meetings again. <laughs> and so he says, you're qualified. I want to know what I've qualified for. Then he says, you're qualified to have an inheritance. You qualify to have an inheritance. A share in the inheritance of his holy people. Conditions met. I'm going to give you an inheritance that you haven't earned. We become sons and daughters who inherit with Jesus. Inherit from Jesus. We inherit adoption. We inherit sonship. We inherit connection. We inherit heaven. We inherit eternal life. We inherit purpose. We inherit significance. We inherit dignity and worth. Because all the conditions that were needed to be met have been met through Jesus. So you can have what you didn't earn. And that's what an inheritance is. It's what mums and dads pass on to their children. They labour their lifetime to give to their children an inheritance so that their children can go higher and further than them and start at a different place. It's what an inheritance is. The children didn't labour, the children didn't work, the children didn't deserve it, they just inherited it through the generosity and the hard work of another generation that went before them. And Jesus says, I've come, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you my inheritance. I was with the Father for ever. I'm uncreated, unbegotten. I, I, I came and lived the life that you couldn't live. I lived out righteousness through holy decisions, saying yes to the Father, whatever the cost. I went to the cross for you, as you. I, I went into the grave and died your death and rose the resurrected one. Now you inherit, you inherit the relationship that I had with the Father that was mine. I'm going to give that to you so that you can know the Father as I know the Father. So that you can know him and enjoy him as I knew the Father. So that you can be connected to what the Father is doing. So that you can enjoy the privilege like I enjoyed the privilege of knowing that the Father is always working, always doing something, and I'm just going to listen to his voice and see what he's doing and do what he's doing. You inherit all of that as a free gift, and you did nothing for it. This is what I did, this is what I worked at, this is what I had as my deserved thing. You inherit it freely. You're qualified to inherit what you didn't earn. Inheritance in the holy people. Holy means a separated people for God. We become a perfect holy people without blemish and without blame. In Christ, perfect, spotless, blameless, holy, sanctified people. Qualified to have this inheritance of perfection. And that's who we are before God. And then he says rescued to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. We inherit this kingdom of light, this kingdom of freedom, this kingdom of grace, this kingdom of acceptance, this kingdom of power, this kingdom of liberty, this kingdom of relationship. There's a kingdom adoption because he rescued us. He rescued us. 
He retrieved us. He recovered us from another kingdom. A kingdom that was rooted in fear, shame, dark influences that led you to slavery. Paul is saying, look, I want you to give joyful thanks as you endure, as you're patient, as you're living this worthy and pleasing and fruitful life in God. Why? Because you've got to remember where you came from. It wasn't one day that you chose to get interested in coming to church. You were rescued. You were rescued. Give joyful thanks to the Father who's qualified you. Conditions met to have an inheritance. To become part of a a holy people because you're a rescued people. We may have not have been aware of it. Maybe we only saw every now and then the symptoms of it. But we lived in a kingdom that was rooted in fear, rooted in hopelessness, rooted in dark influences that led to slavery. We may say that's not what my life felt like. That's not what that's not what it felt like. And I'm not saying that everybody who's not in the kingdom of light is completely and utterly evil and not doing good things. There are Wonderful people doing wonderful things. But the Bible says things about our condition that are true, even if we look at our experiences and our circumstances and says it didn't feel true. We lived in a kingdom where the goal of that kingdom of darkness was to still kill and destroy, to lead people into fear. And, and you might think, oh, that's just expressed through the extreme evil. But actually it can be expressed through just the general shame that people feel. The shame of, I'm not beautiful enough. I don't earn enough. I'm not good enough. I haven't achieved enough. I'm I'm not successful enough. The shame of feeling, not just I've done bad things, but I'm a bad person. Shame is part of that kingdom of darkness. That holds people in captivity. I've never been good enough. I've never achieved enough. Part of the pain of X Factor is is the desire for celebrity status to get away from the feeling I'm not significant, I'm not worthy, I'm covered in shame, and maybe if I had a record contract then I would know I'm valuable. In the adoration of people, maybe then I would know I'm worth something. It's shame. It's the fruit of a dark kingdom that says to people you're not significant, you're not worthy, you're not enough. And in the kingdom of light it says something completely different. You're loved just as you are. Without one plea. You're loved who you are today. Not some future version of you that you imagine. It's you right now. You're wonderful. You're delightful. You're glorious. You're amazing. It's a different kingdom. It produces different fruit. And you were rescued from that. How many of you ever felt the tyranny of fear of death? All this is futile and going nowhere because one day I'm going to die and I don't know what's on the other side. That's part of that kingdom. It says there's nothing. This is all useless, all pointless. And then you come into another kingdom where the life that's above starts in your heart today. The kingdom of light. Kingdom of darkness says hide who you are. Don't be vulnerable to anybody. Don't let them know what you think. Don't let anybody know if you're weak. Kingdom of God says, I know you already. 
you've got no skeletons in the closet with me. You can be completely real and vulnerable. There's freedom. And it says, forgiven. He's rescued us. Brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Forgiven means you're pardoned. You're excused. Your debt is paid. No punishment demanded for your agreement with darkness. Pardoned, forgiven, debt cleared. Nothing's ever going to be demanded of you to pay that debt. Because Jesus has paid it all for you, as you, on your behalf. And all you need to do to get it is say, yes, please. Conditions met. It's all yours. And in a sense, that holiday illustration is an example of it. There's an offer. Not actually a very good offer, to be honest with you. There were lots of conditions and hidden things. But in saying yes, please, to the holiday, we actually did get a holiday. There's something we did. There's something we engaged with. Could have put the phone down and said, no, thank you. And we wouldn't have gone to Ibiza in February. (laughs) Or Cornwall in December. (laughs) Not great offers. But here's a far more superior offer. Qualified, inherited, holy people, rescued, redeemed, forgiven. And all you do is say, yes, please. I'll have that. I'm going to pray for some people. And the first category really is this whole thing of you know you've got promises from God. And you know there's things that you want God to do. And you know he's not a cruel joke God. But there are things right now that are in your life, in your circumstances, that you absolutely need Holy Spirit stamina. And you need Holy Spirit patience. Because you want to endure, and you want to be patient, and you want to go through this with joy and, and, uh, and thanksgiving. Can I just invite you, if you know that's you... I want you to ask you to take a bold step and stand so other people can pray for you that actually God's going to meet you with power, might, and his glory is going to be power and glory and strength is going to meet you. So just invite, if you know that you're in circumstances, you need to endure and you need patience and you want to do it joyfully, I'm going to invite you to take a courageous step and then we're just going to ask some people to gather around you and pray for you that God would meet with you in this moment with Holy Spirit's strength and power and glorious might. So if you're near one of the people, just invite Holy Spirit to come. Just pray for them that there's going to be strength and might to be able to, 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 be able to know his patience and his joy and his stamina. Yeah, feel free folks to move around, look around, see if someone's being prayed for or not prayed for. Wave your hand if no one's praying for you so that make sure everybody gets prayed for, everybody... You're not being prayed for, just wave your hands and make sure everybody's got someone praying for you.